What's up, producers? I'm Sam Matler, and this is the EDM Podcast, a one-half talk show with my friend Levi Whalen and one-half interviews with accomplished producers, artists, engineers, and industry people. In this episode, I talk to Aylin. Aylin is an accomplished producer with a unique style, a style which is difficult for me to really put into words, uh, so I do encourage you to check out his music either before or after listening to this. We talk about a range of things from how he processes his drums, insight into his collaboration process, and how he deals with creative block. I hope you enjoy the episode and make sure to check out Aylin's music over at soundcloud.com slash Aylin. That is A-Y-L-E-N. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. So for those listening who who don't know you, uh, why not give us a bit of background? What got you into music production and what are you doing currently? Okay, so I've always been uh, very into music, and I started actually in elementary school. I played saxophone, and that kind of led me to, uh, I learned guitar and then drums in high school, and I got into like, you know, like metal and just kind of crazy stuff. So from there, I kind of got into writing music um, just on some simple MIDI program. It was called Tabit. And it was basically you just type in kind of numbers and they would play back sounds. And so I started writing there. And eventually, as I got into dance music, I just started just experimenting with, you know, um, just electronic music. And that's kind of what led me into production. So I guess that's where I am currently. Um, just kind of developed from just being into music to wanting to create it. Right, for sure. So you played you played guitar and drums. Uh, I always like asking this question, but do you feel that having played instruments has helped you as a producer in any way? I think, I know for drums it definitely helps because you kind of have a sense of how drum fills work and rhythm. I think for drums that, that definitely makes a difference. Um, it, it, uh, you know, you probably don't have to, but it definitely, I think helped for a guitar. Um, I think it was just me having written music. It's what helped, helped me when I transitioned into producing. Um, I sort of already knew how to get my ideas out. 
And I think that's uh, one problem people have is putting down uh, what's in their head. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a super common problem. Do you have any... I Actually, do you know... Do you know music theory or is it just kind of do do everything by ear? I I mostly do by ear. I I, I kind of know theory just since I, I used to play instruments and mm-hmm. um so I can tell stuff is out of key, but if you if you wanted me to explain like how to write jazz, I would have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen and like make something that sounds jazzy if I tried, you know, but mm. Yeah, I don't really use too much theory. Um, also, some of my recent stuff is not, I guess it's not quite as musical in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I don't think you need theory. It it definitely mm. doesn't hurt to have it, though. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so you mentioned that a lot of, you feel a lot of producers struggle with that, uh, getting those ideas down. I have to admit, like I've, uh, I've, I've had a lot of emails from people that say the same. Do you have any other advice other than playing an instrument, uh, you know, for those kind of people, or is there anything that you've done to kind of overcome that problem? Uh, for me, it was mostly just, um, I guess practice and just constantly doing it. When I started on that MIDI program, the first songs I wrote were terrible. Just <laughs> the, the melodies were just, uh, they just, everything sounded just not great. Um, mm. So as I, as I continued to write, it just got easier, which is pretty much with most things. Um, I think practice is mm. the best way to overcome that because you just have to keep doing it. And then slowly you get faster at uh, using the equipment or the, you know, the DAW. As you get used to it, it just gets easier. Uh, for example, I used to be on Reason first. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got pretty, I was really um, accustomed to Reason and I, I was pretty quick on it. And then when I switched to Ableton, um, I guess it kind of slowed me down a little bit because mm. I had to adjust but now if I go back to Reason, I would be extremely slow. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you switch to Ableton? The main reason is funny because I, I wanted to make what people were calling Complextro. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Porter and, and Zed first uh, heard their music. And I just could never create any of those sounds with the the in-stock VSTs with Reason, since mm. you can't use, you couldn't use third-party plugins at the time. I think that's changed now. Mm-hmm. So I decided to get Ableton and, you know, Massive and all those VSTs. And it was mostly just so I could try to create that kind of music. Right, right. Interesting. Uh, so I, I've listened to a fair bit of your music and one thing that, constantly stands out as uh, as your drums like they're sometimes simple but incredibly crisp and and powerful how do you approach processing the, uh, your drums uh for my drums uh, i definitely approach each uh each drum separately mm. so i'll have the kick on its own channel the snare 
Um, sometimes even, you know, if there's like three layers on the snare, each layer has its own channel. Okay. Yeah. So I can EQ and process each one differently. Cause I'm sure you've heard, or people have heard about, um, uh, some people say, you know, the snares, there's the main punch of it and there's the tail, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that just helps. So to keep everything clean and eventually I'll usually bounce those layers into one. And sometimes I'll further EQ or process that. And that's, that's kind of how I approach the drums. So I think yeah. So, so you bounce, say you've got three snare layers, you bounce them down to one layer. Is that to save like processing power or is it a workflow thing or, or what? I think it's, I think it's both. Mm. It used to be mostly because my CPU was terrible. <laughs> so I would try to consolidate as much as possible. But now I find it's also just nice to look at less. Mm. Uh, when, when there's like millions of channels, you, you, you kind of get lost and it, it's hard to find what you're looking for when you want to make changes. So I find it easier when I, I bounce stuff down to uh, certain things to audio and certain layers. It, it just helps keep it clean, easy to work with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so with your drums, do you do any sort of bus processing or group processing or is it completely individual? It's mostly individual, actually, yeah. I know some people bus. Uh, I'll usually do... Um, like sends, I'll do like the same reverb on uh, most of my um, hats or percussion. So that that's sort of like bussing. They they all end up with the same reverb, so it kind of makes them sound like they're coming from the same space. So I guess that's one thing I, I I do. What kind of like what kind of settings, basic settings, would you use on that reverb? Uh, it's usually. The, I actually usually use um I use Valhalla. Usually which, on my sense. Which one is that? Is that the vintage verb or the room? One? Uh the room. Ah, yeah. Lovely plugin. Yeah, I love that reverb. And so I'll usually just kinda keep it on the main setting. Hmm. I, I should probably play around with that. <laughs> hey, it obviously works, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it, the default setting is just really nice. Yeah. So yeah. Sometimes I'll change the pre-delay or the decay length. Mm. But for my sends, I'll keep it 100% and then just dial in uh, how much of the send I want to come through. And I guess I will, I'll EQ it, the lows out sometimes. That helps. Uh, occasionally I'll do some uh, side chain from the reverb mm. so that mm. it doesn't fight with the, the main sound. So I want to delve into your, your workflow, but let's say you sit down to start a new project. Uh, where do you start and how do you take an idea, for example, uh, to its completion? Yeah, so when I start on a track, it can vary. It's either I start with an intro and just kind of lay down some drums so that um, so I have something to write to. And then I'll just go around either sound designing something while the beat is playing or I'll find samples and throw them in and eventually something clicks and then I go from there. 
Uh, do you do you mix as you go, or do you do like a, a final mix down at the end, or both? I do both. So I, I start. It's hard to leave it completely unmixed mm, when I'm mm. writing because, uh, let's say, the bass and the kick will be clashing completely, and just like I'll do simple stuff. Like I'll definitely keep the lows out of most right off the bat, mm. uh, just to make room for the bass and the kick, and. Yeah, I just slowly mix as I go, but I do, towards the end, I'll have a more uh, final session where I'm analyzing it more uh, to make sure everything fits together. So so when you're doing your final session, like is that, I know, I know some people end up just tweaking a little bit, other producers, you know, do this thing where they bounce everything down to audio they pull the, all the faders down and then kind of start from scratch again. Uh, how does your, your mix down workflow, if you will, how does that look? How does that work? I'm more of a, of a tweaker, I guess. <laughs> so I usually don't start everything at zero because I've been mixing along the way. But I will always, I check my mix downs on different speakers so I'll have my main monitors, I'll check them on iPod headphones, I'll check them in the car, I'll check it on the laptop. And so I tweak a little bit, I guess, on each system. If if anything sticks out that sounds wrong. Right, gotcha. Uh, cool, I want to switch gears for a little bit. You recently put out a track called How I Roll, uh, a collaboration with Baywatch on Hysteria Records. Uh, tell us a little bit about that track and how did the collaboration process work? Okay, so for How I Roll, I met um, Jason, who was one half of Baywatch, mm-hmm. down in Miami. So I went to see Astronomar and Wookie. And so Astronomar linked us and we were talking and we were kind of into, into the same kind of music. We were both digging like bass house. So when we came back, we decided to just collab on something. Uh, they sent over a rough, short idea of how I roll. I, th- I think it might have been the breakdown and part of the drop. And I basically took that and uh, wrote, I guess just added on to that. Mm. And we we used Spice a lot. I don't know if you know about Spice. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great program that allows you to basically save into the same project but still go back to different saves and it you don't have to send huge stems back and forth or project files uh so that made it a lot easier especially since anthony uh the other half he lives in denver Uh, so we couldn't get we couldn't get together with him yeah but we, we did a bunch of sessions at my house and at jason's house so it was it was a it was a good collaboration process. I thought it was a mix between using Splice and just being together in the studio. Mm. Uh, how do you find working with other people? Like, does your workflow change? Because I've found personally, like, if I'm collaborating in the same room, uh, there's there's normally normally more ideas come in. Uh, it's normally fun, but it can also be sometimes a little bit frustrating. 
how do you find that compared to just making music by yourself? It can go both ways for sure. Uh, sometimes it helps. There's sometimes there's an added energy. It it can depend on how you both work together and uh sometimes it depends on the the style you know some people have different tastes and it's a little harder to work mm. especially in the same room because um when you start let's say when you start making a sound it's never going to sound right right off the bat mm. and so sometimes that can be a bit frustrating cuz uh the other person won't like the sound but you know it's not there yet but you need time to kind of develop it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I found that's happened before, but then there's also um sessions that just went really easy and things just came just um came right out. And sometimes having another ear uh is definitely a bonus. Do you have any routines, habits or tricks that help you stay uh, creative and overcome say uh writer's block or the the problem where you can't come up with any ideas or finish tracks i mean what do you do when you run into those problems uh sometimes i'll just take a break and actually just you know step away uh other times i'll work on mashups or edits um so if i if i can't think of anything right originally i'll make edits or mashups for my sets so at least I'm productive and just listening by doing that, I'll be listening to other music and sometimes it'll spark an idea. Other times I'll just kind of mess around on synths and try to create sounds and that can lead sometimes to an actual track. And I think one other thing I've done is I just, I start watching tutorials if I'm stuck which it might not even be a tutorial on the genre I'm working on. It'll just be production tutorials. Um, one other thing I've done, I guess it's part of the break, taking a break, but uh, just, yeah, just leaving the session up there, doing something else. And then when I come back to it, sometimes I'll have fresh ears and, and then I can actually get somewhere. Uh, in, in terms of sound design, do you do that? I know some people like to separate it completely uh, from like songwriting and production. So they do it outside of a a standard song project file. Is that something you do or is it kind of involved in both? It's involved in both. Um, I'll do sound design while I'm working on a song mm. or I'll just kind of mess around and... <laughs> see if I make anything cool and eventually use it later. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, I don't keep it separate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just, if it happens, uh, then it happens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, cool. What, what's on the, the horizon for you and where do you see yourself say five years from now? Uh, well, right now, well, I actually had a, a track that comes out today, uh, Primitive Rhythm. Uh, it's on, yeah, it's on Beatport and iTunes now. It's through EDM.com. 
Uh, so that just officially came out today. And I, I have a song, which is actually still, it's about, it's free for a week. Um, but it's track dip and dots, which will be out on main course mm-hmm. on the 16th. And, uh, I'm working on, you know, more originals always and remixes. Um, I have some collabs, including one with, uh, Toro Toro, which I'm really excited about. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, yeah, those guys are great. So I guess that's what's on the horizon at the moment. In five years, I probably see myself sort of doing the same thing, <laughs> still producing, but uh, I see myself playing out more and probably um, creating music that's you know not necessarily for uh, this project. Just I want to get into producing for other people or just maybe even like i think like movie soundtracks are the coolest thing Mm. oh definitely (laughs) yeah just creating soundscapes is very interesting to me so So, moving into more kind of commercial work maybe commercial or just i guess things that are outside of the, the dance realm Interesting. Uh, if one more question before we jump into these these quick fire questions, uh, if you had to start again at square one, what would you do differently, if anything? Uh, I think I would have uh, taken more time with um, a lot of my releases. I used to, I used to rush and try to you know be the first remix out, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and just kind of obsessed with getting. Um, immediate like reactions mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh remixing things just to get my name out there more uh, okay yeah you know everyone used to, everyone would just try to remix whatever was the biggest song <laughs> yeah. it, it still happens and, and sometimes I still, I still think about doing it but now that i'm a more capable producer it's not as much of a problem mm. i used to just put stuff out that i definitely regret now <laughs> um and that's just i also wasn't as serious at first so I, I never thought about any of the marketing and i mean dance music has kind of changed a lot like the marketing is a, a way bigger part of it now i used to just throw throw a song on soundcloud and you know it would be fine <laughs> i've i've got a bit of a uh, a self-interested question but it's an interesting one uh, i was talking to andrew Apinov in episode six about marketing music and he said that one of the most common myths he thinks is that you know you shouldn't you shouldn't market your music until you reach a certain skill level or uh become a, a good producer he said that's a bad way of thinking you should start marketing from the get-go, which is which is strange to me because I don't see the point in marketing something that isn't good. I mean, if you if you were to go back, would you start focusing on that side of things earlier? Um, on the marketing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I would. Foc- I think I would do the opposite. Hmm. Um, I think it's. It's 
easier to market something that's good. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it depends on how good and bad we're talking about, you know. Yeah, I think his his reasoning was that learning how to market music and market yourself takes a long time. So you're better to start start earlier, even if you you kind of fail. I'm not sure where I sit on the fence when it comes to that, but I, yeah, I'm interested in your opinion. Think about that way. I I think. I guess it just kind of depends <laughs> mm, mm. if you, if you want to, you know, you can always change your name, stuff like that, or create side projects. So I guess it doesn't hurt to mark in the beginning and kind of learn, but just know that that name's over then. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you, that's true. Like you, you can't use that name ever again. Mm. Uh, so, so has, has Alan been your alias th- this whole time or have you gone through a few switches? Yeah, this has been my only alias. Um, I may try to work on new aliases in the future. Mm. Um, it just kind of depends on if I wanted to create something that was more specific. Mm-hmm. I know everyone's making deep house aliases. <laughs> <laughs> Any plans to do that? Or? No, I thought about it one time and I just... Not jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> it was it was before it was such a big bandwagon. Oh, okay, but, but I wasn't ready. Like I wasn't good enough at <laughs> the style yet. So I'm glad I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't bother. <laughs> Understandable. Uh, okay, cool. We'll jump into these quick fire questions. Do you have any? books, resources, or uh, standout YouTube tutorials, for example, that have helped you become a better producer? Um, it's definitely tutorials. Uh, actually, the first tutorials I ever watched were Lucky Dates because mm-hmm. he was one of the only ones with reason tutorials. <laughs> so I guess nowadays it's different. There's a lot of different ones. There's also those future music ones where um, some better known producers or more established producers will uh, sometimes show you stuff that they do. I don't know if there's any exact ones that helped. I think it's just a combination of all of them. And I would suggest that you just watch as many as you can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And watching different styles, you'll learn different little tricks that you can apply. Yeah, I think even just to add on to that, uh, don't be afraid to watch tutorials that use other DAWs because mm-hmm. there's so much that you can pick up. You know, if you use Ableton and you're watching someone use Logic, you can still pick up things that, you know, you can kind of uh, port over to Ableton and, and hack together that way. I think some producers kind of only watch or won't watch a tutorial that's in another software. Yeah, I think uh, it's it can definitely be beneficial. Sometimes you'll get frustrated because you know the plugins they're using are only Logic or yeah, something. Yeah. So then it's like, oh well, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even use that. But there's usually plugins that that'll do the same or similar stuff in each DAW. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, talking about plugins, let's say I ask everyone this question. Let's say you're you're stranded on a desert island with your laptop uh ableton live and three plugins what are those three plugins and why 
Uh, I would be on, I would bring Massive. Just, it, it's the plugin I've learned the most. So I'm, I'm the quickest on it. I would probably say Nexus. Okay. Um, sometimes I write a lot of, I'll start writing chords or melodies on the Nexus piano. For some reason, it it, it helps having that piano sound. Um, I guess third plugin, I might go with Spire. It's an I don't know if it's necessarily a newer plugin, but it's recently it's become more um, popular. Yeah, I, I I view it as like the the better version of silent one. Yeah. I, I, I don't really use silent that much. Um, I'm sorry. I'm starting to, to try to use it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But what I mean is I think spire is, does just as well. Plus more like it's got far more features than it sounds. Uh, yeah. Great. It has like a, a swing feature, I think on it. Mm, mm. Although I, I'm really bad with sound design inspire because the face the interface is still a little confusing for me i don't know it well enough yet yeah 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 so i probably just have to spend more time with it uh so obviously you do a lot of your own sound design but do you use any uh sound sets or preset picks as well yeah i nexus for the most part i only use the i'll tweak the presets Mm. because it's that's really what's for. It's not good for sound design. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, Spire the same. I I recently got uh, a bunch of preset packs and I'll tweak. Massive's the the main one that I do sound design from scratch. Mm. Just because I think it's just because I spent so much time watching massive tutorials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, back when everyone was trying to figure out Skrillex growls, and that's uh, <laughs> I just ended up learning that. Um, that VST better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, as, as a producer, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Um, I don't know if this is the best piece of advice, but one, the one time I played with feed me, um, we were on his tour bus for a little, and he was just talking about production and he, he, he told us about the OTT uh ableton multiband okay and kind of ever since then it just changed my production and yeah it's a really useful tool i've yeah i've heard a lot of people talk about it what i mean do you know exactly what it does or it just like really over compresses it it's it's Mm. ott Mm. for over the top (laughs) oh that makes sense yeah so yeah it just kind of like crushes it i don't know so what would you use that on i mainly use it with massive Um, okay yeah and yeah so i use it to make bass sounds and stuff i see awesome well well cheers andrew where can people find you online uh my soundcloud is just soundcloud.com slash awin um twitter and facebook are and instagram are awin official uh same with snapchat I believe that those are the only networks I'm really on. Fantastic. Which is already a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Thanks heaps for coming on. 
Yep. Thanks for having me.